did poor unfortunate soul a couple weeks ago and i was like yes um but you know that's that's why i love performing drag so much is that i never have i felt so accepted for Mm -hmm. like what i want to do and who i am and that's really beautiful and that's a good venue the balance was from packing it in on sundays nice audience there i've heard they've they've been getting packed um Mm -hmm. and so uh, since you're you're doing what song are you doing from little mermaid oh my goodness Part of your world. Yes. <laughs> I'm so right. excited. <laughs> Maybe there is something that matter with me. I just Why? can't imagine a world that oh. makes such wonderful things could be bad. Uh, my heart is <laughs> my heart is touched now, Kat. That was beautiful. I can't wait. Let's go from The Little Mermaid to St. Elmo's Fire. <laughs> yes. This this one I'm, I'm so very interested in. Now, St. El- wasn't Leo wasn't St. Elmo's Fire really big like um, poppy song it back? It was a huge. It was thirty years ago actually. It was number one for like three or four <coughs> weeks. Um, it it's contemporary. Am I? I want to say AC. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember the, the original band. To be honest, it was. Um, <laughs> it was actually I really kind of tried to deprogram that out of my head. Yeah, it was, it was that Jason's <laughs> that vocal, long ago. you know. And this is this is kind of like my classic sound, which I kind of try to get away from because it's a little bit too kind of like fast and energetic. But they said you do that sound, that anthemic dance sound so well. Can you just give us a remix because we need it for the package? Everyone's trying to be do the really really cool stuff, and you know you know how to make a pop anthem. So is it based on the original? Yeah. So I think we were, t- we were talking about the love theme from St. Elmo's Fire, which was from David Foster in 1986. Does that yeah, sound right? right? Now, I know that because as a DJ on the Dinner Dance Cruises, I actually had somebody request that a couple months ago. As painful as it was, I played it. Let's just give a listening audience a sample of what the original sounds like. Here it goes. All right. Well, uh, we that was the music version. That that was the <laughs> instrumental. You just took me back. So. It, was no, that scary? Cat, hold, I, all right. Are you sweating? I know. We don't have any water. Oh, that was shocking. That's that's going way back to the depths of the '80s for me. Yeah. I'm sweating. Uh, <laughs> I just my sweat. mom just gave birth to me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord, have mercy. Um, that was not the song that the new one's based on. But nope. it's the song we needed. Yeah, it's the song we needed for this moment right now. <laughs> let's let's play your version. Very <laughs> <laughs> emotion version. Ahead, you knew it all. 
what's the um, wh how are you guys going to promote that one? Well, that is being that just came out actually on iTunes and on Switchcraft Records, and it's uh, actually it's a DJ team visually original track, and then they hired Jason Walker to cover it, and then there's a well again a, a full load of uh, remixers. There's even some Tropical House in there, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that no, that's just being promoted through it uh, through Switchcraft. Swishcraft music. I, isn't that hard to say? Sometimes it that's is, um, is Matt Consoler's uh, local, another San Franciscan. Uh, well, not anymore. But he's in Portland now. He's Portland, uh, but that's his label. Yeah. He also has two labels, right? Yeah, that and Bounce. Bounce. Uh, Bounce, right? Um, yes. Well, that's a good one. Uh, they're all good. That one's really catchy. Uh, Thank you. What was your? Uh, what were you thinking when you went into that? Like, what did you want? Well, again, that's like I said, it was kind of like the, I wanted to kind of do something a little bit more, I don't know, my style, but they said, do something really energetic because you're, you've been known to do that type of sound and, you know, it makes uh, even uh, straight rocker girls want to twirl on the dance floor, you know? Uh, <laughs> oh, I never said. <laughs> I just said, I just said I didn't know, I didn't know about that world, but, <laughs> but see, the, but that's, that's the really wonderful thing about remixes is that you, you, you bring it back. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that song I want to dance and twirl on the dance floor as well. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah. So I did a. I like to I like to do um, just really self indulgent covers, and I did um, Starship. Nothing's gonna stop us now. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. Um, and I ha I hired two of my drag friends to pretend like they were mannequins. Mm -hmm. And it was really wonderful. But I made the mistake of doing it in Raleigh, North Carolina, where they don't appreciate that kind of stuff. They don't get that kind of thing over <laughs> there for some reason. And somebody, yeah. I think the audience loved it, but some stupid film or like a music critic was like, and then she came on and she did this shtick. Oh. Like, Fuck you, it's theater. We're having a good time. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's Raleigh. Yeah. yeah. Well, welcome to. I love Raleigh. I, I, you know, I love Raleigh to, to our listeners in Raleigh. We love you. In fact, if you have any questions for Cat, call us now at 415-550-0511. That's 415-550-0511. I don't actually really miss the city, but it doesn't have. Do they? In, did they give you the key to the city after you won? No. I couldn't even listen. I don't know what I have to do to get on the front page of my local newspaper is it just I oh, can't. over their heads uh, yeah uh. yeah no they they no no there was no no nobody cared well you know you have raleigh and then you have san francisco mm -hmm. hey. where by the way <laughs> yeah it's been super easy to get press coverage here yes we are a loving city you guys are so and i'm not awesome. even a native so but i've been here six years but it feels like home does it feel like home to you, Miss Ladybug? All the time. Every time I come out to San Francisco, it feels like home. <laughs> and you're only a stone's throw away in uh -huh. Oakland. You're only a stone's throw away from the city. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, or a gunshot away. Uh, <laughs> huh. A mess. Yeah, but I love San Francisco <laughs> with all my heart and soul. Now, don't get me wrong. Oakland is cool, but... Mm -hmm. I feel my heart belongs to San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Did you leave your heart in San Francisco? You can say that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> How is your heart, by the way? Uh, it's doing okay. Um, 
I'm going to uh, have uh, go get a checkup sometime in the second week of October to uh, do a follow-up. And um, other than that, I, I'm doing pretty good. You know, I'm just taking it easy and watch what I eat and watch what I drink. Because hmm. I almost had a little mishap one late night uh, when I when I went to bed. And what happened? Well, I guess my f- chest started feeling a little bit tiny funny a little. I had to get up and go to the bathroom two times, and then I went to the, my kitchen, uh, my kitchen, to uh, get a drink of cold ice water, and then I guess next thing you know, it settled down, you know, relaxed, and I went back to bed. But I'm gonna call my doctor, just have a set up appointment on the second week of October, do a, you know, do a follow up. So there you have it, Miss Ladybug. Well, honey, you take care of your body. I will. In San Francisco. High on a hill. It calls to me. To. Climb halfway to the stars The morning fog May chill the air All right, folks, we're back. House of Pride. Pearl, how are you doing, honey? Fabulous. And yourself? Doing well. We're wrapping things up now. Wonderful. Well, we want to thank Miss Ladybug, Miss Christina Ladybug Gilmore for coming. Thanks, thank girl. You thank you for having me again. Always. You're yep. like one of our regular girls now. <laughs> well, you might as well say that. I, I'm honored. <laughs> <laughs> we have the, the fabulous Leo Frappier in the house. Thank you for having me. Yes. Always. We yes, it. it's fabulous to see you uh, <laughs> again. And um. I think I'm seeing you Saturday, right? For yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. See you then. Just showing that up. Okay. Um, come back anytime, Leo. I know you're super busy, but um, you have, uh, as indicated by your, uh, your list of uh, releases, all of them are fabulous, Thank and you. I'm I'm sure we're going to start seeing some of them on Billboard ma- magazine charting on the dance charts. Yeah. One of them we didn't play is already like number 26 on the uh, Billboard. Which one is that? Um, that is... Uh, Let the Joy Rise? No, was that all it was? Yes, let's talk. Disco, so when we were in Silicon Valley Pride, the House of Pride, uh, Debbie came over from the main stage and talked to us, and we played that song. That's an amazing song. It's a cool song. It's a cool song, and it's shooting up the charts, and uh, I think we'll go out with that. That's fabulous. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and so, Kat, um, let's talk, before we wind up, let's talk about your cabaret show. Yes. Um, so it's September 25th, and it's at a super secret speakeasy. You'll find out the location when you buy a ticket. How um, do you buy a ticket? God, how do you buy a ticket? Let's buy, buy one buy right now. Um, so you can go to misfitcabaret.eventbrite.com, and then it's uh, password protected because it's pretty elitist. Um, and the password is <gasps> Sally Bowles, undercase one word. Did you just Sally say Bowles. Sally Bowles? Sally Bowles, oh, Bowles. The, the main character from Cabaret. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, it's pretty damn decadent. Um, we have champagne service. 
um, tea and crumpets and shit. And um, Eliza Rickman's going to be performing. I'm going to be doing a freaking Broadway medley that you guys have never heard. Um, we've got burlesque. We've got violin. We've got glockenspiel. Um, glockenspiel. glockenspiel. Come on, glockenspiel. We have, um, we have rhinestones covered in blood. I really hope that you guys can be there. Um, again, it's September 25th. September and 25th, but I go. D- I tried to get online real quick, and yeah. you have to repeat it again because that's a lot to take in. It Misfits is. Cabaret. Okay. Misfit. Can you spell cabaret. it phonetically like the other one? Or Do you have a pencil? Because <laughs> I, I can't spell things in my brain. Yes, here. Okay. Here, pass the pen. Do I have some? And the back side well, of that card you yeah, can write okay, on. Okay, okay so folks, listen, listen up. Here we go. Listen, because it's going to be really fun. Um, M-I-S-F-I-T-K-A-B- a R E T dot eventbrite they can, com. They can figure that part out. Yeah, and then Sally Bowles is spelled S A L L Y B O W L E S. And that's one word in its lowercase. And I'll tell you what, listeners, if you actually do go right now and you use the code Fritz, you get a special discount. And is, is that F-R-I-T-Z? It's with a Z. Yes. Awesome. Or could they also go to your Facebook page for that information? They could go to my Facebook page. They could go to my website. I'm it making it very available. Yes. Just like not me because I'm married. <laughs> I can't tell that joke. Yes, you're married to a super nice guy. What's yeah. his name? His name's Guillaume. Guillaume. Shout out to Guillaume. Hi, honey. We met him at Silicon Valley Pride. He likes bow ties. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think I, I met him during the last show. Yeah, he does like bow ties. He, did. he probably gave you a dollar or a few. Maybe. Yeah, he likes to give dollars. I like dollars. <laughs> well, <laughs> Pearl, get your dollar purse ready because this Sunday is coming. Both of these ladies will be performing at Balançoire in the Mission. Uh, <laughs> yes, well, um, great. We want to uh, bring in a uh, last guest who had was stuck in traffic, by the way, Pearl Tees. Yes, I hear him laughing out there. Jay Eugene Banks, come on in. He is running. Did you win yet? No, Saturday. I was, it, he's running for Dugo Court. Yes. Pearl, do you guys know each other? Come no, on. we don't. Hi, Bo. Uh, while you well, we're reconfigurating this room, I'm going to put on um, the Debbie Holiday track that's shooting up Billboard dance charts right now. What number is it at, Leo? Uh, let's see. It's on that uh, number 27 on the Billboard that's up a few that's notches because yeah. when we were at Silicon Valley Pride it just debuted in the top like 47 or something, something nice. like that so this one's called uh, Was That All It Was Dirty Disco featuring Debbie Harry and it's the Debbie mix Holiday. We're Debbie Holiday. Yeah, the, sorry, sorry. The, the mix we're listening to is Leo Frappier and Phil B yep. fabulous check it out here goes I've heard about her that all it was Way to pass some time, a moment's everything, not worth remembering in the morning. Must it be so cold, like something bought and sold? Was it just a game? Would you call my name if you saw me?
exercise of will and what you need to feel did you use me One latecomer, Pearl. All right, let's go ahead. Wait. Well, now, what does J stand for? Um, actually, um, my name is Aja Monet. Aja Monet, yes, welcome. Yes, on Facebook, um, I use J. Eugene Banks. All right. I've always wanted to know what that meant. Yes. Oh, the world will never know. Is, okay. that, a, is that French? Yes. That's a French nice name. That's a nice name. Oh. Oh. All right. Pearl, oh what you, what's your birth name? Oh, we'll talk about that later. Anto- Antoine or something? <laughs> I can tell you my birth name. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about why you're here. Okay, I'm here because I would love to represent um, San, uh, San Francisco, Marin, and San Mateo County um, as the next Grand Duke of San Francisco. Oh, and the election is coming up. I love it. Yes. Yeah. When is the election? This Saturday, the 19th. Oh, my God. The 19th, and I need everyone to vote yes for Aja Monet. Where can people vote, Aja Monet? People can vote at the um, the Project Open Hand, which is on Polk, and, um, and it's Polk and Ellis, mm-hmm. and um, from 9 to 2, and that's where I'm going to start off voting at. Um, the candidates have to vote there to open up the polls, and I would love for people to start off voting there. From one to five, um, it's the SF Eagle South of Market, okay. and from one to six in the Castro and the Bulletin Board um, between Magnet, yeah, and the it's by the parking lot. All uh, right. Well, you guys make sure you have your IDs because you do yes. have to be a San Francisco yes. resident. Yes. Yeah, San Francisco, Marin, or San Mateo yeah. counties. Bring those IDs and vote. Yes. For, for Asha yes. And also. Um, we would find out who the winners are at Coronation, which would be at the Wickham Hotel okay. on the 26th. And um, that starts at 5 o'clock. Uh, the doors open at 5. And um, then the victory brunch would be Sunday, Folsom Street Fair Day. All right. So Fabulous. The victory yes. brunch. I love it. Yes, hopefully <laughs> I'll, I'll be in that. So just remember, Ajumone, I'm a very... Uh, um, 
person. You know, I do a lot of history, LGBT history walk, and uh, the Tulu and Pride that I help put together. Um, in the Castro, I've helped with the uh, Castro Community Patrol, and everything counts. So it's all about community. It's not about me. It's what. Mm-hmm. It's all about each one. Teach one, be one. Because when we do that, the whole community can connect, and then the the people that are coming up can know about their past, and then the past. I mean, the older the older community can learn from the younger community too. So, what do you think of that, Christina? Wow, sounds very interesting. I love it because it's really helped with my self-esteem. Um, the Ducal Council have, has given me a way to express myself um, and also help raise money for um, the different organizations that I was volunteering with anyway. So actually now I can actually help raise money because when I first started with the Ducal Council, I was I didn't have any money, so I sold raffle tickets. And, uh, and I started doing numbers. Um, like Blue Rawls and stuff like that when I uh, when I first started with the Ducal Council. And now I just want to um, just inspire people with me. Yeah. And just let them know that all because of whatever situation that you're in, um, you don't have to be ho-hum, ho-hum, get out there and do something and, and, and make a positive impact on, um, on Amity. Be so, the change that you want to see. Yeah, then Friday we're doing a bar crawl from um, the Cinch starting at 7.30, and we're going to be walking, so if people want to come, come at 7.30, so that... That's um, right over at 1723 Polk Street? Yes, uh-huh, and then um, it's going to be uh, a LGBT history. Um, um, it's also going to be a walk also where where we tell about different things that used to be where the bars and and, and, and stuff, and then we'll go, go to the Encore in California. Oh, I love Encore, yeah. Then Divas at eight, that's on post. Mm-hmm. Alexis Miranda, she manages there. She was an empress something years, no, not that um, <laughs> history right there um, in the Tinborn area. Then on Charlie's, and then we'll hit OMG for Galileo's birthday. That's be wow, yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Oh yeah. my gracious! That's a lot of, I'm going to be in bed by 11. That's a lot of, <laughs> lot of crawling going on up there. Well, that's fabulous. Well, listen, okay. thanks for coming by, and thank do stop by again on House of so Pride. Much. I love you, Tweeka. You oh, really, thank you, honey. Really, um, um, had open arms for me when you were Mason, 50 Mason. Uh huh. And, and I came to an event there. Uh, that reminds me of that Journey song. I come to yeah. you oh in open arms. Well, you guys can follow him over on Facebook at J Eugene Banks. Yes. And then also, if you want to find out more about the Ducal Council, you can go to SF, Ducal, D-U-C-A-L, all the information you ever wanted to need. So. All right. Well, thanks okay. for coming. Thank you guys so much. Now, folks, do join us next Wednesday when DJ Shane Steele, Sister Roma, uh, speaking of which, oh, wow. and wow. Bianca Simone. Mm-hmm. And Marco Middlesex, of course, as we were found yeah, out earlier. I have a full show to, uh, next week. That's a full house. Christine, you come by, too, if you're in the area, girl. You're welcome anytime. Okay. We'll tune in, you guys, every Wednesday here at House of Pride Radio from 6 to 8 p.m. at mimiradio.fm. That's right. We're going to listen to more of Leo's song on the way out. Good night, everyone. Good night from Miss Ladybug. Peace.
Okay, you can't leave now. Again. Now, we've been through this before. And I'm tired. I'm tired. Sick and tired of the same old thing over and over. Watch if you want to, you can slap Spiegelman's behind. L-W-A-F-L-M-N-O-Y-T on Mutiny Radio. Mutiny. Mutiny! It's pronounced mutiny. Mutiny! No, it's, it's pronounced mutiny. Mutiny! Oh, my turn-offs are guys who say mutiny. Mutiny? Well, let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman, oh Mike Spiegelman, Mike Spiegelman, Mike Spiegelman, Mike Spiegelman, Mike Spiegelman, Mike Spiegelman, Mike it's easy. It's L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. That stands for Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hey, you said it was easy to subscribe to our podcast, but it isn't so easy because you got to remember L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. So write it down. Write it write down. Write it down. Yeah, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Uh-huh. Let's watch. A-F-A-F-A-F-A-F-A-F-A-F-A-F-A-F-A-F-A-F-A-F-A-F-A-F-A-F-A-F-A-F-A-F-A-F-A-F-A-F-A-F-A-F-A-F-A-F-A-F-
mutinyradio.fm. Please contribute. Go to Venmo and throw in some money at Mutiny Radio. Carl, what is the movie we are watching this week? Today we are watching Rented Lips, 1988. Rented Lips, which has nothing to do with the film, 1988. Wait a minute. Can I tell you that it's the most repulsive title I think we've ever done. <laughs> Out of all the movies we've done, we've done over 400. This one has probably the worst movie title. I'm not even going to repeat it. Yeah, well, the thing is, when I read, when you told me Rented Lips, I was thinking like lip service, like you hire a lawyer to speak your on your behalf. But no, it's a pornography film named Rented Lips. Right, because they rent the lips. Anyway, so let's, uh, all right, so go ahead, uh, type in Rented Lips, full movie, 1988. And uh, who is uh, hosting this? Casey Robertson. Casey with the C. Casey Robertson, like you robbed a son. Robber son. That's horrible. What a way to start our show. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and subscribe. No, I can't. I'm uh, watching this uh, full disclosure on Microsoft Edge. All Uh, right, I'll have to subscribe for you. He's doing fine in the subscriber count. I noticed 2.2K. That's good, right? That is good. All right. Well, cool. We're very excited. He posted this back in 2016. So God bless him for keeping this up, as it were. Now, look, uh, I want you to know that when we hit play after our Celebrity Comic Countdown, it's going to be like 30 seconds until something happens. It's like black on screen. And I can tell you. I can start. tell you what's going to happen. It's going to be 30 seconds of pure comedy from uh, you and me. So we'll, we better get that material going. So uh, we hope you click the link. We hope you hit pause and move the timer to zero, 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 because we have a celebrity comedian who's going to do our Celebrity Comedian Countdown. Yes, CCC. And uh, when they say go, you hit the go, the triangle button. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Celebrity Comic Countdown with Yousef Goff. Yousef Goff, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much, Carl. Thank you for having me. Uh, Carl and I, we have a great mic at the reserve. It's on a little bit of a hiatus right now. We, uh, I don't know if Carl wants to tell you guys why or not. But hiatus. Yeah, we're corona cautious <laughs> here. But once we're we're free, we're gonna have that mic going every Tuesday in Elmwood Park. Hit up either Carl or my, uh, myself for more information, and also check out my podcast, Piss Golf, available everywhere. If you'd like to hear a normal, uh, not normal, a local New Jersey comic just get very angry at a lot of things. That's right. The podcast, so, Pissed Golf, G O F, Pissed Golf. Yeah. Uh, so that being said, I think it's a good time to start this. What about you, Carl? Okay, yeah, we are watching a Robert Downey Sr. picture called Rented Lips, and count us down, you set. All right, everybody, ready to start in three, two, one, go. All right, blue screen, I'm ripping. Here's my first joke. Uh, IBM screen of blue screen of, oh, uh, wait, hang on, it's a, oh, I have a different angle. It says play. Oh, you ever hate putting on a VCR and it's, the first 30 seconds is black. I mean, come <laughs> on. What for? Why do it? Why do it? Either it's going to work or you're going to get eaten by my VCR. Am I right? Yeah. That? Oh, my oh, God. You said 30 seconds of hilarity. Uh, I did. I, I promise. 20 laughs per minute. Yes, it's 20, 20 laughs, laughs a minute. minute. Tw- that fish burger. Fish 20 burger. laughs a minute. Even... Oh, man. Oh, this is. Warning. Oh. Yes, what is it, sir? Oh, any commercial use? Wow, look yeah. at those commercial graphics. I've 
Got to get a I've computer. Got a secret. I got. I got to get PowerShell. <laughs> Is that what it's called? Okay. Vista organization. I don't know what that means, but Vista produced this. Uh, yeah. And put it out. They can't right. call themselves the Vista organization without you getting suspicious. <laughs> okay, what we're seeing right now is documentary footage. What we're establishing is that Martin Mull is uh -huh. a documentary filmmaker along with his good buddy, Charlie Schlater, who's Dick Sean. I love Dick Sean. Is he funny in this movie? Uh, I'm very good with my Dick Sean. I pronounce things correctly. Oh, your diction is is impeccable. <laughs> um, he is uh, is he funny in this film? He's trying, and um, this was the last film he ever did. He died in '87. So. Well, you know how he died, right? It's a famous story. Tell he me, he died on stage. Mm -hmm. He was performing, like, and he died on stage of a heart attack. Of I, you know. I, I a stroke I review after the second paragraph. No, I, yeah, I think he had a heart attack. Okay, I should know this better. Listen, when he perf he performed stand up on stage for over thirty five years, uh, nightclubs uh, around the world, and he had this award winning one man stage show. It's called the second greatest entertainer in the whole wide world. But check this out. Uh -huh. He had this very unique opening. When the audience entered the theater and they milled around and found their seats, there was like a, a, a pile of bricks on the stage, in the center of the stage, just a pile of bricks. And when the, the one-man stage show began, it turns out that Sean was under those bricks. He just sort of stands up and shocks everybody. Welcome to the yeah. show. <laughs> that is some heavy symbolism. I mean, really heavy. Those bricks, they're really just like, it gets, it's heavy. They were heavy, those bricks. But the thing is that he had to have complete concentration, breath control, because the slightest sure. movement, the bricks would ruin the surprise. They would fall off. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. If you're sitting there breathing, <laughs> you can knock a brick off your stomach. It's, and then it's everyone the looks and says, hey, there's a guy under there. And that wrecks. What a rookie. That's yeah. a rookie mistake. Oh, we're yep. getting closer. It's the Bart, yeah. right? Written by Martin Bull. So he is responsible uh, right robert downey senior did not write this piece of trash uh he did now look as far as his writing goes he's trying he's trying yeah. you could see where the jokes should be funny we should say this is directed by robert downey uh senior incidentally. senior and he made two movies that i can't see so ever since then i've been punishing carl by watching any movie of his we could find <laughs> Well, Greaser's Palace is as far as you've gotten. And that also had Robert Downey Jr. in it. Well, here, is that Robert Downey Jr. right there? Look. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. Right over his shoulder? Nope. No? That was Looks Charlie like Slater, his partner, who will die a, a year later. Now, Charlie Slater, was he Roger Rabbit? I don't know. I don't think yeah. so. All right. Okay, so... This established that he's a documentary filmmaker and he's a really good friend with Charlie Schlater, his business partner. Who's going to die? Well, <laughs> nobody knows it. So he finds an arrow in the road, and I'm unclear. I thought this was his brother in the show. This is a guy who is definitely 
an African, a Native American, and he always plays the Native American. Michael Horse. I saw him in That's the credits. Right. Yeah. Now he's not talking right now, just because he's just a little horse. <laughs> he's a big horse. <laughs> now he was in Twin Peaks. Yeah, sure. sure. As an American Indian, uh, he was in the Touch of Untouchables. Uh -huh. As yeah. a Native American, huh. <laughs> he was in The Legend of the Lone Ranger, his first movie as Tonto in 81. As an African-American, he was in Passenger 57, House of Cards, Untouchables television series. All He only played up. Oh, there she is, Lassie's so, mom. Oh, wait, so you're against the horseplay. You're against horseplay <laughs> then, when it comes to acting. Don't play horse in the house. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now, so yeah. This is Lost in Space Mother and it's Lassie Mother. It's June Lockhart. And in my opinion, she's looking terrible. Well, I mean, this is an easy role for her. She just needs to stumble out of the trailer and uh, go to the set. <laughs> you know, maybe fix her robe. You think they had a trailer? <laughs> Basically, what's happening now is why aren't you finding a girl and getting married? Why are you a filmmaker? You haven't worked a real day of work in your whole life. Does he live with his mom? Yes. <laughs> and so does the Indian brother who's come home. Oh, right. But he has his own teepee set up. But that's an established. <laughs> he's essentially homeless and he wants to keep that up even though he's living at home. Well, yeah. He could do it both ways. Finally, get something to eat. He I'm says, we're going to do a documentary about American Indian farming techniques. That's what they were all jazzed up about. As soon as this aluminum thing is done, and it is done. Now, Dick Slater's saying, when are we going to do a real movie? A movie that makes money? A movie with the story? A movie with the plot? And, um, you know, Martin Mull is resisting. He loves the documentary. Now, did Martin Mull like was like telling his best friend Robert Downey Sr. like, here, here's my script. I want you to take it to heart. <laughs> I guess. I mean, oh, by the way, I should have told you the house that he just went into, his house throughout this film, it's the house in A Christmas Story, 1983. Same oh, house. Get out of here. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's classic. Now, look at their movie screen. This is, this is a, um, uh, like a cable access channel, Ooh, and their movie screen is like painted on the the you know the uh, loading dock garage door. Oh, they got some movie seats. See, <laughs> it, this is a movie where the audience, movie audience is watching us, the movie audience. I love films like that. Yeah, pop eats itself. Oh, here we go. All right, fellas, we are the finest entertainment when it comes to projected images on uh, garage doors. <laughs> Basically, he's telling us all the shows that we're going to see, and he's trying to be funny. Those guys are not digging it. Right, so is this like a, a, their public access television channel, and they mm -hmm. show documentaries like Martin Mole stuff? Right. Oh, there is Martin Mole. So he's waiting to see if he's... Uh, it's aluminum. You're aluminum. Oh, 
I'm sure that when Michael Martin Mull was at his typewriter going tap, 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 he was like, this is gold. It's yep. ductility. And then we'll show a duck. Right. Well, you know, it's a collaboration. It's not just the writer. I mean, surely the uh, director will edit and uh, tighten <laughs> my material. Mm-hmm. Nah. This director, I mean, he is not good, but he is passionate. He always... Okay, so they say, listen, come to my office, all right? I got to talk to you both. Apparently, he's shooting this movie. Let's call it an art film with naked people, wink, wink, wink. And the director killed himself. They've got 12 days left to shoot, and he wants them to shoot. Now, of course, Art, who's like, let's make a real film, is like, sure, no problem. And Martin is resisting. We were going to make the Indian farming documentary. It looks like, yeah, but the opportunity fell into their laps. And what a sexy lap that right. is, I guess. Ah, yeah. Not. How come two people dislike this movie on YouTube? It's really good so far. <laughs> Was the two me? Both, yeah, right. both times I, mean, I watched it. <laughs> Uh, one of the great things I enjoy about this show is that poor Carl really does research these films and watches <laughs> these films multiple times before I just kind of half-ass it. Well, you're the audience. An audience I am the theater and just say, entertain me. So it makes And listen, full disclaimer, as an audience member, I'm still engaged. <laughs> Good. Yeah. It's like I'm watching a movie that has a setup and a beginning and a storyline. I'm really looking forward to this Robert Downey Sr. movie. Now, this is Shelley Berman, by the way, and he's making a deal with Martin Mull. He's like, if you finish my naked-ass art film, then you can use the same cast and crew to make your Indian documentary. Well, that's great. They have a deal. But the thing is, Martin Mull's kind of pushed into it. I mean, it really sounds like a porno to him. And, you know, Charlie Slater's like, we got to make money. We haven't done anything. We've been partners 15 years. He's like, do you want your parking tickets validated? And Martin Moe's <laughs> like, we ride the bus. Parking tickets. Now, do you remember we saw The Jerk 2? And right. in that, there was that tall guy who was Big Enos in uh, Smoking and the Bandit. Yeah, that's right. Uh, let's see. What's his name? Uh, uh, Not John. Was he, it Lil Enos? John Williams? <laughs> he will show up for two seconds in this film. He was the original director. We'll only see him on screen. Um, Pat McCormick. Pat McCormick. His Pat name is McCormick. Lee. Oh, this is a good one. This is um, Eileen Brennan, and you'll know her face. All right. You know her? Well, I haven't seen her face yet. Oh, Mike, what minute are you on? Uh, I'm at nine minutes, Carl. No, I'm kidding. I'm at uh, 11.42. Yeah, we're way off. Where okay. are you? Tell me, 12.25. Tell me when you get to 12.25. How can right. it be, Mike? How, is How possible? can it be? How, can it How be? is it possible? How is it possible? How can it be? How can it be? It's just not possible. The whole premise of the show is that we give it time and we all watch it. It's not even possible. 12.25. All right, I'm on 12 right now. Maybe we need back the uh, 
master of descending numerals. Maybe there's something about his countdown that made us in sync. No, whoever did the celebrity comedian countdown, the CCC today, did a great job. Okay. Good. I'm a big fan of their work. I am a big fan of whoever did that countdown. Okay, so I'm at 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. All right, I okay. see you. Okay. Now, that is Eileen Bur um Brennan. Yes, and she, I mean, you should know her face. I mean, she, oh, actually, this is interesting. She was in Beware the Blob. Uh, no, she wasn't. <laughs> Damn it. She should have been. She should have been in <laughs> Damn it. She would have uh, been great in it. Well, I mean, she used to be a regular on Laughing for a small time, and um, she was in Murder by Death. And Oh, yeah. You should know her face. She, I know her. Yeah. I don't know that hairstyle she's rocking. Look at the title wave. <laughs> it, it's the 88, you know? The 50s were oh, uh, doing on. a yeah, retro a... 50s thing. Oh, you this is funny. She it. was in Cheaper by the Dozen. And all her scenes were deleted. <laughs> okay, we're meeting the cast now. We met the assistant director, and now right. we will meet the, you know. The porn actors. Right. And I got to say that, um, you know, Robert Downey Jr. does a good job in this film. He is funny. He's the only funny thing about this film. There he is. Yeah, I see him. Ooh, tardy, he's starting naked. Look at those tits. See that? Yes, yes. YouTube. <laughs> that is the very famous starlet um, who was uh, Edie Williams, who was married to uh, Russ Meyer and was on all his films. Oh, wow. And she replaced uh, Valerie Perrine, who was going to be in this. Well, yeah. Oh, Valerie Perrine, who we've seen in Mr. Million Billions. And, yeah. Uh, Cannonball uh, Run. Cannonball Run, of course. I keep liking it out. And, of course, Cuckoo's Net is what we but always say. But Valerie would not have had her tits out like that. So I'm no. glad that we have Edie. Yeah. Well, she's done it before. Oh, yeah. She's done it throughout her whole career. She was in Playboy in 73, a full color spread, then done by her husband, Russ, Russ Meyer, at the time. Wow, so that was, what, 13, 15 years ago? Uh, they divorced. No, I mean, I'm talking about. Yes, 73, right. Yeah. Um, she, Williams continued acting, mainly appearing in films which involved nudity. <laughs> Look, do you see the Coke on the, uh, on the porn set? No, I, I missed that, and I've seen this movie three times. This is four. It was, it was a pull tap. Oh, listen to this Robert Downey Jr. He's pretty funny. <laughs> he, he just does a good job in this film, and he's the only shining light. Um, gotcha. In this film, and also, this was a very big time in his career. I'm sure that if it wasn't his father, he wouldn't have, you know, 
What was they, he in in 1988? 1988, right? So well, okay, he had just done Weird Science in '85. He had done Less Than Zero in '87. He was considered a member of the Brat Pack, even though he wasn't really. He was famous. So uh, when when did he? When was he in SNL? Uh, Saturday Night Live. Right. That was also the '80s. That didn't work out, but I think it was the cast. Um, let's see, where was he? It's not jumping out. I'll tell you soon. Uh, now, um, now we're going to see for two seconds. Uh, we'll see Pat McCormick, and then he goes away. Uh, right. Too bad. Pat McCormick, I think, was an undeveloped. There he is. Oh yeah. This guy is, he really was a comedic talent. You saw him in The Jerk too, and I don't know, he should have become a pretty big star. He was in Scrooge. Uh, he was under in Under the Rainbow. He was in History of the World Part 1. Right around now, he started to go away and not be in things. But in my opinion, the uh, movie world uh, didn't, uh, he could have been a very funny, huge comedic star. It doesn't sound like a guy that's been in like every shrine or every uh like mm -hmm. roast. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Now we're meeting the bad guy. And you All can right. see the big cross that is his desk. He is uh a uh like a reverend. And um let's see here. Kenneth Mars, Reverend Farrell. You know his face. He was in Mel Brooks films. He was in The Producers. He was in uh, Young Frankenstein. He was in What's Up Doc. He was in Radio Days with Woody Allen. He's sure. a pretty well-known guy. Oh, this guy is on Bob Newhart. And he's with Shelley Berman again. Oh, very cool. This guy is like, uh, his name's Jack Riley. He's like an auditor for uh, taxes. And right now he's preaching his oath to stay and, you know, his integrity, his legitimacy. And the guy goes, well, why don't I cut you in for half of my action? And he goes, fine, shred that document. He just flips. Oh, so that, but that's funny. Yes. He was in Theodore Rex. You love that film. I do love Theodore Rex. That's when Whoopi Goldberg gets to be a cop and her cop buddy is a talking dinosaur. <laughs> that's right. That's on YouTube. Yeah, luckily it was a herbivore, so it never. Yeah, he never ate Whoopi. Like that right. was the big fear I had because I had just saw Carnosaur, and I'm like, Whoopi, the last thing you need to do is be a cop buddy with a Carnosaur, but it wasn't. It was a talking dinosaur. Mm-hmm. What a premise! What a premise! Okay, so here is Mars again, and what we're learning is. He might, Kenneth Mars, a oh, Reverend Farrell, might say he's a man of God, but he's really a pervert. We'll later okay, so find out that he makes porno movies. It seems like so all over the place, right? Like, we we went from Martin Mull to... Uh, well, no, to it's Mars. all going along. Martin Mull, he's like 
finished my porno film. The, the reverend doesn't want him to make a porno film. He wants to be on the air on public access. These two brothers, they're twins, and they had just a tiny little bit of acting. Um, right. One of them was in uh, – he was the catcher in Major um, League of your, their – no, Major League 2 and Major League. Um the Cleveland Indians rookie catcher. That was his big movie. Uh, and out of that, uh, he and his, his uh, brother did some films. Let's see here. Mad About You, 1989. Tour of Duty, 1987. <laughs> but the best part is they're hassling uh, Shelly Berman. Now, he's a comedian and yeah, he's no, been sorry. a professor. But we know him from Beware the Blob. He's excellent. I don't remember him. <laughs> was I he the do. barber? I do. Yeah, yeah. And that was a good scene. Yes, he was the barber in Beware the Blob. He was in Meet the Fuckers. He was in The Holiday with Cameron Diaz. He was Don't Mess with the Zohan. But he's yeah. been at the University of Calif Southern California for 20 years uh, teaching comedy writing. Another Fires Club uh, roaster. Yeah. Okay, now Martin Mull is continuing to try to talk his way out of this film, and uh, Charlie Slater is like, come on, let's let's do this thing. I only have a year to live. Um, wait, why, wait, where did that come from? What? He only has a year to live? Well, in real life, he doesn't know it. Okay, he didn't say that. <laughs> Martin Mull, I don't really like the screw where the screenplay is take. Trust me, trust me on this. You have one year to live. Your character. <laughs> now it's a little rainy. Yeah, and I don't know why this is supposed to play, take place in, in uh, Southern California. So why? It, it rains. It Okay. All right. It's just that if you're shooting a movie and it rains in one of your nights of shoot, you need to have the continuity set up so they come in a little bit wet. That's all. Okay. Good point. Good point. We say it is. Okay. Even better point. I blame that on uh, Senior. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, uh, Lassie's mom is real happy because she has met a girl, a girl who's perfect for Martin Moe. And Martin Mull's like, Ma, I just want to go to sleep. It's been a crappy day. I'm stuck in this movie. Wait a minute. Who's Mom, who's setting me up, Lassie? Is it you? <laughs> oh, now you're silent. Her name is Penny, and she's my daughter in this other movie, TV show. Really? Well, in Lost in Space, they had Julie and Penny. God, I don't remember that much of Lost in Space. You don't? Oh, okay. oh no, there was there was Dr. Smith. He was really yeah. evil. Yeah, he, he really was a bad guy. Warning, warning, you suck, Smith. <laughs> that robot hated Dr. Smith. The Every girl that she's found happens to be Jennifer Tilly. Yes, I know. Now, I'm looking forward to it. Now there is no chemistry between him and and uh Jennifer and uh, Jennifer Tilly. There is no chemistry, but yet the script says that she falls in love with him. So they just follow the script. Now, this is 1988. I'm trying to think of another film with Jennifer, that Jennifer Tilly was in but way back when. 
Right. Um, okay. She was in, at this time, Ch Child's Play, which was made her an icon in horror in the horror film community. There was a franchise called Child's Play. Uh, was it Chucky? I don't think so. Well, she, uh, she showed up later in the series. Was she in the first one? She was in Chucky as a doll, as a voiceover. But I'm saying right, right, right. But that's, but that's like C to Chucky and Bride to Chucky. Right. And, you know. Okay, she is at this time. Oh no, that was 1998. I don't know what she was in at this time. That's what I'm saying. Like she must have been like a one of those prestigious child actors. Well, she didn't really get famous and known until Woody Allen's 1994 film Bullets Over Broadway. Huh. That's when. So she's not an unknown here, but she's not a big deal. Let's see. Tilly oh, was married to Sam Simon, developer and producer of The Simpsons from 84 huh. to 91. So that was around this time frame. Um, Look, he's writing the script and shooting it. I guess he's thinking of it in his mind. I don't know. Let's see this. Two people in a bedroom. What are, what's there do? That's the house of Christmas story. Really? Well, famous house. What's Big a famous house? house? Bob Clark and Robert Downey Sr. both shot movies in this house. <laughs> oh, well, later, they will go to the Big Sky Ranch in Simi Valley, which was where they had Little House on the Prairie. So their locations are famous, if nothing else. That was a little house. Carl, where are you? What? Where, where are you time-wise? I'm at um, 2555, 56, Perfect. 57. Perfect. What about you? Same. All right. You're seeing Meg Tilly waiting at this deli or whatever to uh, meet Martin Moe. Oh. Now, look, they're both smitten with each other. Why? They don't have any chemistry. He looks like Albert Einstein younger in the in the patent office. Hi, I'm a patent clerk. You think so? Do you think he looks that distinguished? No. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Hello, I'm Guy who's soaking wet from rain. It's dry outside. I know. Practicing. Well, look, everyone in Hollywood has literally has a script in their suit pocket. Yeah, right. Now, he's like... Um, She's like, I hear you're a film director. I'm very excited about that. She's like, are you an actress? He goes, no, I'm a musician, but I'm a singer. Oh, so that's where the title comes from, Rented Lips. No, that's the name of the porno. But what interesting happened here is she goes, I'm a singer. A lot of singers became actresses. Is your movie a musical? And then Martin Mull, and one of the only good things about this film goes, I think it just became one. Wow. And that's it. We're launched. Here's our inciting incident. He will totally embrace making both of these films, and they will both be musicals. A musical porno and a musical Indian farming documentary. <laughs> Love it. Well, I don't know if his brother could sing at the musical because he is, you know, a little hoarse. <laughs> he will sing. Oh. 
He will. Oh, good. Wow. That was back in the day where you couldn't do that on the computer. That's right. You had to do it. And you also got to write. Um, you see how we underlined Mona Lisa and put a heart. Yeah. So That's not easy to do. You have to scroll up and then write it and scroll back down. So Tilly starts talking to the assistant vice assistant director and then when martin mull goes don't talk to him don't talk to him he's nobody he's nobody i'm somebody and she goes oh okay who's the guy in the staircase that's the guy i want to hang out with that was the assistant director but he's nobody mike don't talk to him he's nobody okay okay we're now learning that in the mornings we will do the porno and in the afternoons we will do the documentary and Mona's now the star, and it's a musical. And, uh, you know, the person, Robert Downey Jr. is going to have a big problem with this. Because? It's comedic. Oh. Do you think it's weird that his dad is shooting him as a porn actor? <laughs> no. His dad was a weirdo, man. No, that's true. One movie I would love to see. Is this the movie Park or the one where everyone plays dogs? Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. Apparently, Robert Downey Sr., as a, when Robert Downey Jr. was a kid, used to pretend he was the family dog, and he would start doing, like, monologues about what the dog was thinking. And Robert Downey Jr. loved it. I mean, he's in interviews in public, so, of course, what's he going to say? But he loved his father. He loved oh, yeah. growing up in a weird family. He grew up in Greenwich Village. But check this out, Mike. Robert Downey Sr. got his son high on pot at five years old. You think it, you think that was a little too late? Should have been four years old. <laughs> I think that it's just shows. I mean, he was a drug addict himself, and he had problems, and he regrets doing that. He he admits in interviews. Uh, but so what? He regrets doing it. Him and Robert Downey Jr. as a kid used to absolutely do drugs together and it was one of the ways that they bonded as father and son not kidding weird yeah so this it's, is what everything looked like in the 80s the, the lofts the holes in the wall let's try let's listen they're acting, they're they're rehearsing. So she's reading the stage directions with drama. Did you see who poked his head through the hole? No. He's not into it. No, well, he's a spy. You see, he's a spy for the Reverend. Oh. That is Tony Fox, who you know from Bad Santa. He's, um, look, yeah, I don't right. like this term little person. It doesn't make sense. You know what I'm talking about, little person, right? Right, right, right. I, I don't want to say the M word, although the M word was never an insult. Did anybody Wait, ever go to their friend, shut up, you midget? I mean, it's not uh, an insult. 
But anyway. Yeah, it could be. Well, all right. Well, yeah, I know who you're talking about. He looks pretty young in this movie. He was in Me, Myself, and Irene. Sure, oh, yeah, he was young. Absolutely. Um, he was really he was funny in, in Me, Myself, and Irene. Because right, he was the he was the real dad, but uh, Jim that's Carrey's right. was good. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. He was a Mensa. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and the wife just fell in love with him. So he decided that he would be an actor after he saw this guy named Billy Barty. Sure, I know who Billy Barty is. Yes, so Billy Barty was the founder of the organization Little People Across America. And it inspired him, and, and everyone would encourage Tony Cox, you know, he, his friends and relatives. He moved to Los Angeles at age 18, and he began taking classes, and soon enough he was in commercials and television roles. Now, this is interesting. At the age of 10 years old, he was a great, great drummer. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um. He's known for his role also as George Lucas's Willow and as an Ewok in Return of the Jedi. Jedi. Uh, um, I guess I, I never saw Willow. Is that crazy? Yeah, I've never seen it either, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> and, yeah, sometimes it's all right. <laughs> he was in the TV show Martin, um, and he was with Bushwick Bill. Now, yeah. I was a Bushwick Bill fan. You know, he was in Ghetto Boys. Do you remember him? Yeah, sure, right. He got shot or something? Something horrible? Yeah, happened. something like that. Yeah. He, he His trying to live up to the lifestyle he, you know, sang about led to a problem. Yeah. Now, can I ask you about this bus? Was that like a jar of urine on top of the bus fare? I don't know. So... Basically saying, look, I know what you're saying. You see a bus full of, uh, af you see a bus full of Nazis and in, na you know, uh, Indians. Of course, you're going to think there's a problem and pull us over. But these are normal people. This guy graduated college. Oh, so this is kind of weird. So now they're at Little House on the Prairie Ranch, and they're going. To, it's it's the afternoon, and now they're going to shoot the musical. Well, I'm not at the part where they got pulled over. You're not? I don't know why I'm going to Are they slowly. getting out of the bus and seeing cow? No, they're they're dressed in Indian garb and they have their hands on the bus. Well, yeah, they got pulled over. Uh, oh. I'm at 3441, 42, 43. Okay. What about you? Uh, uh, should I pause? No. <laughs> what are you I'm at? I'm at 3451. Okay, so I'm five seconds ahead of you, and I don't know how that happens, but here we it's are. It's all right. It's fine. It's, I'm, I'm slowing down in time. It's very strange. It's okay, percent. now, an interesting thing about this film is Martin Mull will arrive places, and already it's all, like, set decorated. You know what I mean? Like, here they're putting together everything, but they just, I don't know. It's already set up. It has a rustic quality to it. Yeah. Now, these are American Indian stereotypes that the real Native American doesn't seem to mind. He knows that that's the way it is in Hollywood, and he plays along with that, you know? Right. It's a shame. 
it's a shame what uh, happened to those people. Uh, and it's a shame. It's a shame. It's a shame. <laughs> I, I hate that we call them Indians because it's like we made a mistake. We named you wrong. We know we're in the wrong, but we're still going to call you that. We don't care. It's terrible. Oh, I didn't name it wrong. Thank you, Mike. You're one of the. It was Christopher Columbus. It was Christopher Columbus, right? And take take it up with him. Okay. Now, there's some funny dialogue going on here because it's Robert Downey Jr. Right, but it's too late. I should have played it from the start for you to get it all. So, but I'll, I'll give you some audio when he does. He's right, got no funny lines throughout, and he does a good job, Robert Downey Jr. So the actress, is he going to be in the Indian uh, yeah. uh, documentary as well, Native American? Yeah. Charlie Schlater, how dare you? And with a washboard. Okay, now um, Tyrell Cox is falling in – no, no, his name is Tyrell in the film. Tony Cox is falling in love with the sheep. Now we have a not-so-funny thing in which Robert Downey Jr. is doing his lines, and a sheep is on the side going, eh, like as if he's a critic. Maybe it's funny. Let me let you judge. Did they add the sound effect? It's a real sheep. One thing I like about Robert Downey Sr. is that he can be silly in his films, you know, and have a break character or what have you. Yeah. So apparently Tyrell banged the sheep, kisses him goodbye, and tells him don't tell anybody. Okay, so I'm not clear. I think this is the porno part. Oh, yeah, I got to play this. Okay. He shuts him down and watch how Junior handles it. It's really funny. Answer down. <laughs> if we weren't going for a PG rate and not tell you to go fuck yourself. Now look, he says the same line again. <laughs> Mo freaks out. Anyway, it's good. He's funny. And this film is not good. Don't get me wrong. This film is not good. But you know, yeah, I he's mean, a shining is... star in, in the middle of – he's a diamond in the very rough-ass rough. When you're a film director or even like a movie star and you write a screenplay where it's about the film industry, mm. you know, there's, there's a certain sense of not detachment, but, you know, it's like 
looking up your own butthole. So you <laughs> would hope something good comes out of the film. Like there's a point to it. Yeah. Oh, uh, there's no point to this film. It doesn't. Uh, uh, it's a. St- I don't know. It's a story onto its own. It doesn't have any moral. Yeah, I don't know. Well, it's, you know, it's the love of filmmaking and the importance of pornography in the industry and, you know. But you would think it would be something, if it was that, it's funny right now, but I won't play you. We can't just play you all the audio, but. Right. You would think it would, like, Martin Mull could have been, like, um, realizing I'm compromising my integrity and then, you know, make some dramatic move to satisfy everybody and still make it art, you know, but that doesn't really happen. Yeah. Now we're getting uh, big dick, little dick jokes, and Edie's all over that. Meg likes it too, but I think she's she's being an actress. The prop department looks like I like a raise after this movie. Yeah. Um, Wolf Diggler, you know, a junior, he had like one of those baby <laughs> corns from the Chinese food restaurant. And yeah. that was the joke. The real uh, Native Americans got the real corn. And uh, got it right here. There's some bunnies that fertilize the corn, and now we're going to see a bunny dance. I don't know. They think it's very funny, but it's. I don't know. It's it's historically accurate. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is rated R for nudity and language. It's 82 minutes. It was distributed by the Vista organization very poorly. Uh, Van Dyke Parks did the music. Who's that? Robert yeah. Yeoman did the cinematography. Never so heard of Van, Van, Van Park Dyke's, uh, he's kind of known for uh, co-writing oh. Smile with uh, the Beach Boys with uh, Dennis Willis and Brian Wilson. You know he's this, a, then. Yeah, uh-huh. I know this guy. He's kind of a, he's a folky, he's kind of like a, I don't know, he's sarcastic songwriter. Van so, Dyke you know, Parks. Yeah. He, even though he did the music, uh, Martin Mull and, oh no, Van Dyke Parks and Martin Mull together wrote Halloween at the Bunker, Happy Halloween, and Indian Farming Techniques was also a song written by Van Dyke Parks and, and uh, Martin Mull, but also his wife, Wendy Mull, uh, co-wrote it. Well, you know, he, he had albums. You remember those Martin Mull comedy albums? Yes, Sacks Martin Mull violence. was a comedic uh, musician before he was uh, just an actor. Um, now, what, do you think it was Fernwood Tonight that kind of propelled him, Ray Hartman, Ray Hartman? Yeah, he first became known for his role in Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Now, I never saw Fernwood, too, but that became much bigger for him. Um, yeah, we know him role. like he was in Clue in 85 and Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And, you know, we know him. Yeah, we know him. He was in Roseanne for a while. That's right. He was like the gay boss or something like that. Leon Carp on Roseanne. He would go on to be on Arrested Development and stuff, but 
Mullen broke into show business as a songwriter writing Jane Morgan's 1970s country single, A Girl Named Johnny Cash. Now, you know Johnny Cash did a boy huh. named Sue. It was a joke on that. Right. It only reached number 61 on the Billboard charts, but now he had something to say. He had a resume. He did a lot of live there gigs. Songs. There's a song called The Girl Named Johnny Cash. There, that's right, and it made number 61 on the Billboard country <laughs> charts in 1970. I never knew that. Yeah. Good to know. Oh, well, he did He did these notable gigs. Like, he would do... He, okay. Uh, he opened for Randy Newman at the Boston Symphony Hall in 73. Frank Zappa in 73. Billy Joel in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, 74. Bruce Springsteen in Maryland at the Shady Grove Music Fair. How what a lucky guy! <laughs> he got to perform for like uh, Zappa and Springsteen. Well, not for them, but yeah, opening for them. Yeah, opening. I'm sure they were in their dressing room, not watching Martin Mull. Um. But for, you know, the first half of the 1970s, he was best known as a musical comedian, um, live in studio recordings. Yeah, well, he, you know, in the 80s, too, he had the uh, history of white people. Right. Which is probably around this time. Okay, so I guess we're doing a porno musical now. Let's see. Yeah. See, the, the porno is about Nazi Germany and sex during it. I don't know. There is always this Halloween, myth. right? What? Yes. Halloween? And that's right. There will be a Halloween part. Oh, that's funny. So together, it's even funnier. I guess. I don't know. Like, I never thought... As you go back in time, like the 80s, you know, the World War II was, you know, less than 40 years ago. Was, right. You know, and so, like, you, as we go forward, and I mean, it's 1966, and you're seeing Star Trek, and they got the Nazis on it. I mean, it was more popular back then, just like Nam used to be a, I don't know, as more time goes past, I think we can realize that. I don't know. It's not so funny. I don't know. Well, no, I, well, my attitude is that it's now the disposable income comes from, like, white supremacy. Like, you know, white supremacy need entertainment. So there's a one point where you're shocking, and one point is that you're signifying the war, and there's one point where you're signifying wars that are occurring, and there's one point where you're just completely pandering to a crowd that, you know, uh, takes it at face value and appreciates it as such. You know what I mean? You so mean like, it's like, okay, lo lots of people do Nazis, so we'll do Nazis. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, like, you know, like people are Nazis and people need to be entertained. And so your show has all this kind of exploitative stuff, but it kind of panders to that crowd and the crowd. No, no. You're saying that you think people do Nazi stuff to really appeal to real regular people. Like, yeah, yeah. Nazis, I'm into it. No way. Yeah. Yeah, no way. Throw their money in that. Yeah, no. I totally believe. Who who identifies as a Nazi except for kooks in this country? Jimmy Fallon? No, I don't know. I can't think of anyone. Well, but, Jimmy know, Fallon is like, not a good example. 
But then there's like there'll be TV shows where there'll be like an exploitive thing, like where there's like Nazis or white supremacy or this and that. And then I just feel like they're just kind of targeting that crowd anyway. It's not really like you're saying out. they're not making fun of white supremacists. They're secretly reaching out to a white supremacist audience. Yeah, well, there are them. not white supremacists. Mike, do you think that there are white supremacists in San Francisco? Maybe. Sure. Yeah. You do? Yeah, they're my boss. Is a white supremacist wants to see a world of only white people. Yeah, Jack Dorsey from Twitter. <laughs> All right. I uh, guess your uh, mind is made up. I do not yeah. see this subculture that you see. Well, I just feel like, you know, the, these jokes about Hitler, like, it, it, it just falls flat now because there are people who take this for real. And, like, you know, the, the, you're, you can't no longer, like, have Robert Downey Jr. dress up as Hitler and call it a joke. It's just, you know, like you're kind of saying, like, a little more detail, like, there might be people into it, you know, who don't find it as a joke. And they, they're, they're glad he dressed up as him. That's all. Okay, audience, audience, I depart. I want to say that the opinions of Mike Spiegelman are his own. I do not right. think there's a secret group of people out there going, yeah, Nazis, I like it. No way, man. Nobody they have money. See the fourth they right. need to be entertained. Listen, you know, you need Netflix, Nazi flicks. <laughs> Nazi flicks. Yeah. <laughs> All right, this is a great ring to it. Okay, so fine. So I'm going to start writing white supremacist material. Uh-huh. Yeah, you'll find an audience for it. Isn't that every open mic you go to anyway now? No, it is not, Michael. There are oh. not white supremacists at every open mic you go to. Okay. Anyway, by the way, we don't go to any more. I got to tell you, I've shut down my mic. Um, but you did. Yes, because we did a comedy fight club by the way on the movie you're seeing that the reverend is just more stuff like he's a pervert you know and he's claiming gotcha. okay so there was a comedy fight club and it was you know a roast battle and then two days later i got a text from this very funny comedian named mark henley saying look i got covid i'm letting everybody know who's around me and so is Matt, my, you know, who he was like the host of it. Next thing you know, two other people who were at that thing, Dave Namery and Rafael Hernandez, uh, no, Jesse Montanez, very funny comedians. They've got it now. Now my co-host Yusuf has it. Um, oh my God. And another guy who I'm not going to say his name because he never said, to, you know, he's not public on Facebook about it or anything. The, the so that, other names are... So that's four to five to six people in our local comedy community who have it. Now, the first thing I want to say is they didn't come to my open mic and pick it up. We started in July, and there was no COVID in our lives till December. So nice. I was not acting irresponsibly spreading COVID. As a matter of fact, as soon as I got a whiff of this COVID, I'm shutting it down. We're not doing our mic anymore until we're gotcha. healthy again. Maybe we'll see you in February. Let's see. Let's see how it goes. Oh, I appreciate that, Carl. Yeah, I, you've always done it safely. Like you always took it seriously, and uh, I, I think now that you see there's an issue going, that people are getting it for reals. But yeah, uh, for real. Yeah. So if it was July, August, September, and it was for real, I would have shut down then. But it wasn't. Uh, I was getting a lot of shame from guys like you and others. Like me. 
Well, because yeah. I, I also, I, I think, you know, you, you also aim your audiences for white supremacists, too. So uh, I, I, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so transparent. Okay, You're, what's going on now is the reverend himself is going to show up and shut this thing down. He's even going to burn the barn down. And we're wow, going to learn literally. that Mona is actually, oh, here's the rented lips line. Oh, there you go. So Mona was used to date the Reverend? Now watch what Martin does. No, it's the daughter. Oh. Landmines. Now, they did that when Robert Downey Jr. was out there. They think that's funny. Um, now, a limo will show up. And, of course, it's a um, Lincoln Town car because it's 1988, right? And that yeah, was classic. the limo of the day. I keep promising this limo. It never shows up. Now, is this because the director was had a day job at the time? He was making a movie? Oh, Robert Downey Sr. never had a day job. His day job was drinking. Yeah. Now, listen, his collection of movies that he's done, you know, are just so crazy. Like, yeah. And then, like, normal people wouldn't be able to get away with it. Pound was the one you're talking about. And uh, Robert Downey Jr. was in that at five years old, 1970. Pound, that's right. And at seven, he was in Greaser's Palace, which fans of our show will know. I mean, if we had right. any fans. Um, if they the age, it. We had any fans after showing that movie. Yeah, after showing that movie, we lost. We had one fan. <laughs> right. She gave you money for PlayStation 4. She watched that film and never showed up again. Never showed up again. Um, he was in England at 10 years old studying classic ballet. So drug use didn't slow him down. And um, his parents divorced in 78. He was a teenager. Downey moved to California with his father, but in 82, dropped out of Santa Monica High School, moved back to New York to fulfill a full-time acting career. And check this interesting tidbit. Downey and Kiefer Sutherland yes. were roommates for three years when they moved to Hollywood. That must have been uh, like Party Central. I guess. I mean, here you've got the son of a director and the son of a famous actor. Uh, now, I'm sure Kiefer Sutherland had a much more famous father than Robert Downey Jr., but it's funny how Robert Downey Jr. eclipsed him in terms of fame. I mean, there's nothing, you know, Iron Man, you know, yeah. snow. You know, like, Keither had that 24 TV series. That's pretty lucrative. Yeah, absolutely. He had 24, and then that's it, right? That that's Quib his... He was in that Quibi show. Remember Quibi? He was in The Fugitive. Okay. He probably changed. He'd probably be the fugitive, but he'd probably old enough to be like the Tommy Lee Jones guy. Mm -hmm. You remember Quibi? That was the it closed last year, twenty twenty. It was the uh, Quick Bites uh, original streaming. I I, I don't. It, it was a service that it was the 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 original content was like eight seven minutes long, and you were supposed to watch it on your phone. Oh. Okay, okay. And they had uh, uh, Kiefer do a remake of. Uh, the, the fugitive but it went away now 
Yeah, they closed it. They lost millions and billions of dollars, and uh, they shuttered it within within a year. Sucks for them. Now, this Kenneth Mars, he can be funny. Let me give you. All right. Now, this is another thing, like, in the 80s, um, evangelical Christianity was kind of new in terms of it being mainstream. And so you saw people making fun of that all the time. Yeah, right. Well, because it was like one of the television options, you know, they own networks, they own satellites. Right. Um, It was uh, like uh, lots of Dan Aykroyd bits were the hey uh, preacher, you know. Yeah. Um, eventually it's like you said, it just got to be its own joke. Like, oh, I'm going to be a comedian. Well, then I need to do a, a preacher bit. I need to do, you know, it became a standard. Now, right, now we right. find out it's the daughter. Oh my God, this is your father. Well, Mr. Lisa. I can Mr. Lisa. His name's Mona. Her name is Mona Lisa. So he goes, Mr. Lisa. Oh, can you tell me where you are? I, I accidentally went to so undercover by mistake because my my. I am at fifty six. I'm at fifty seven oh one, fifty seven oh two, three, four. Perfect. That is not perfect. You're just saying that. Audience, no. I hope we haven't ruined you. Yeah, if this is the first time listening, then God bless. <laughs> if episode. this is your last time listening, God bless you. <laughs> Okay, uh, we're caught up, I think. I don't think so. Okay, you tell me what your seconds is. No, you don't want to know. Okay. Because I I'm can at, call. Uh, I'm at, yeah. I'm at 57.27. Okay, so I'm going to pause at 40. I'm paused. You tell me All when right. you're 57.40. Okay. All right. Sounds good. I can't wait. And then, then there's no problem for the rest of this movie. It's smooth right. sailing. We synced up. Uh, now, now, now. Now, oh, thanks, Mike. That was a great count up. Oh, we're really thinking. Now, I'm the one who's behind. All right. No, you'll catch up. There's something weird. I don't know what's going on. So, Tyrell is like, please let me be the one who lights the fire. You know, please let me be the one who burns it down. Hey, yay. Let's take you with me. Take you with you. It's about right. <laughs> he really scrambled into that car. Wow. Now. So they are burning a barn. <coughs> so they so like, turn really back the on barn the... Burner. Yeah. Now everybody leaves the barn. <coughs> but remember, Robert Downey Jr. got butt hurt. And so he's going to go back into the barn and do some acting because he wants to be a real actor. But they're not, rec- they're not shooting in there anymore, right? Right. It kind of doesn't make sense. Wolf Diggler. Wolf Diggler. He would be stupid enough. Oh, there he is. Wow. Yeah. That is acting. I, I don't know exactly why he's doing what he's doing, but it is funny. 
You know, it's historically accurate. This is exactly the speech Hitler gave when his bunker burned down. <laughs> I remember watching that Quentin Tarantino film, and he was stuck in the theater. And I was like, yeah. hmm, what are they going to do? You know, because, I mean, you know, he, Hitler has to escape and get out for him to go on and, you know, continue yeah. his history. Well, and no, Quentin Tarantino said, screw that. You're not. You're burning you. It didn't you know, make sense. It was such a public relations nightmare for the movie theater because, on the one hand, <coughs> yeah, hundreds of people they got trapped in their theater and it burned to the other hand. But on the other hand, they killed Hitler. That's right. That's their claim yeah. to fame. Yeah. So uh, they what have advertise. you done for our world? <laughs> Here at AMC Theaters, we, we have uh, revised or we have made sure that our uh, emergency exits are clearly stated in the back of the room and that it is compliant. On the other hand, we killed Hitler. Yay! Yeah. Okay, now what happens now is the hero's lowest point, of course, and he's quitting. He's gonna. Oh, it's, no. it's amazing how every movie's the same, but yet we don't notice. So now he's at his lowest point, and he's gonna quit. And everyone is like, "You're a jerk. You're an asshole," and they all quit on him too. And he's fine with that. Oh well, what about the movie? Uh, no, I mean he's. This reverend is burning down. He's just, he's had enough. Yeah. He's between a rock and a Michael horse. Fifteen years, Arch. Fifteen year age difference? <laughs> William Shakespeare once said. Yeah, right. So a strange thing. Okay, so he goes to his mom looking for a little sympathy and which she goes, oh, you want me to be your mother? Go to your room. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Hi, Jerry. You want me to be your mommy? Now, something really strange happens now. As you know, the Native American is like somehow the brother. But look at this. Once Martin Mull is out of the way, they start getting busy. It doesn't make sense. What do you mean busy? <laughs> oh. Yeah, oh, does that make sense? No, I didn't realize. Wait, the mom and the... the no. Yeah, and the brother. Where did that come from? I don't know, and we'll never see it again. I guess they were just making a ha-ha joke. So now, uh, Martin Mull is looking back at his documentaries. He won a prize for Mr. Sperm Whale. And he's yeah. just going to climb into bed and just make it all go away. You know, his failure. But then... <laughs> yeah. Well, Mona Lisa will show up and go, I love you, and I try to come here and make you the man I could be proud of. And he's like, wait a minute, you love me? Hi, hang on, I have a pillow over my head to, to drown out the sounds of my mom and brother fucking. <laughs> really? That's so weird. Yeah. It's never been brought up again. I know. <laughs> so I want to see Pound. And I want to see uh, Mad Magazine presents Update Academy again. Okay, but I thought that was so bad. 
It was. Well, National uh, Mad Magazine took their name off the movie. Yeah. And Rob Liedman, who's the star, took his name off the main credits. He's not listed in the in the theater. In the I movie. bet you Mad Magazine was like, this is our chance to be like National Lampoon and get into movies. And then they got right. that dog of a film. They said, forget it. Well, because think about it. I mean, it was Mad Magazine was wasn't it owned by Time Warner back in the day in the 80s? I don't know. I don't know. I know that in the they came from humble beginnings in the fifties, and they were their yeah. own team. Yeah, they got bought out by, back then. I know, like they're now owned by uh, uh, DC Comics, I guess, and that they just do reissues. Like uh, once a year, they have an original magazine, but for the most so part, they're milking the cow. Yeah. Oh, here's something little known. We know June Lockhart was Lassie in Lost in Space, but she was also. Janet Craig on the CBS television sitcom Petticoat Junction. Petticoat Junction. Yeah. What was the deal with Petticoat Junction? It was like a town that had a silo, and it was just the people who who. Yeah, it was like cowboy days, and you had Calamity Jane, and she would wear the fringe leather jacket. It was like what you would watch when you were pretending you were sick and staying home from school. Right. Yeah, 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 totally. Lucky you, right? This is the best scam ever. I get to watch Petticoat Junction at 11 o'clock. I, <laughs> would, I would be at school right now like a sucker. You're right. All day long. So Martin Mole's about to get lucky, and it's for the first time ever. He's not going to be a virgin anymore. And he's going to tell that to his he, – when he's leaving the house, Christmas Story house, Yeah. the mom – oh, look, she's got her hand on his crotch for real. Yeah, um, she's leaving the he's leaving the house. He goes past the teepee, and I guess June Lockhart spent the night with her son in the teepee. And he goes, "I'm not that thing anymore, Mom." So actually, it did come up again. Here it is. All right. Now, how did Martin Mole know she was in there? Well, because. Uh, she he must have watched the dailies and saw that scene. <laughs> he must have seen the dailies, yeah. Oh. Gotta take a pee. So now he's going to admit that he literally loves Charlie. Please take me back. Oh, that's great. But I want to go to Bob's Burgers and get like a hot dog, and I want to be in a crowded little. <laughs> All these places are closed. It drives me crazy. Now they're doing a joke like, I love you in a manly way. Let's go get yeah. a beer and watch the okay, game. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. Now, Robert Downey Sr. and Jr., their original family name was Ellis. It wasn't Downey? Huh. Right, and his father changed his name to enlist in the army. I don't follow that. Um, also, he has an older sister and a brother, but they Ooh, never pursued. Junior, uh, Junior had a brother and sister who who never pursued it. Right, pursued acting. There's, there is. I don't think it's a book, but I think it's a movie. But I think it's a book. There's got to be a book 
in Robert Downey Jr.'s childhood. You know how, like, after the 80s, when it came to the 90s, he just became an, a drug addict with heroin and cocaine and alcohol. He right. just, you know, and he he would go. Remember, there's that famous story in which he went home and he goes into the neighbor's house and falls asleep. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the Robert Downey Jr. So he was, uh, I think it was early 90s because he probably just won the best Oscar for, uh, actor Oscar for Chaplin. Oh, yeah, Chaplin. I controlled them. And I know this, the Keemster Sutherland had like a, uh, I don't know, alcohol issue or there was some history with him as well. So maybe them being roommates wasn't a good idea. Yeah, I guess. Or, I mean... If you're young, right, you're in your 20s and you're doing drugs, I mean, if you're having a good time, it's okay. But if you let it become, you know, if you let it wreck you. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Did Kiefer Sutherland, you saying he went on to have a problem as well? Well, yeah, I guess. Like, um, I don't know. I guess <laughs> so. I, I'd have to check my old people magazines. <laughs> Not that you can trust People magazine, right? They were always oh, yeah. pop, pop, spin. They were always in Keith or Sutherland's publicist's pocket. <laughs> Look, you see the thing blows up that's supposed to be like girls walk in like Marilyn Monroe and their their uh, skirts oh, come up. Okay, so while he was getting outed as a pornography filmmaker, um, Charlie was filming Okay, so that they've okay. got him dead to rights, admitting it, and they're going to expose him and ruin him. So, you know what I mean? They're they're coercing him to help them finish the film. Oh, so wait a minute, that's not a reverend at all. That's Martin Mull. Right, that's Martin Mull and Charlie Slater. I see. I thought it to was priests. Right. I thought it was Morpheus and Neo coming to. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> So they look straight out of the Matrix, Matrix 4. Are you the key maker? Are you the key maker? Are you the key maker? Are you the key? Yes, yes, I'm the key maker. Shut up already. This Kenneth Mars was something called Shadows and Fog in 1980, 90. That, and the, that, the internet thinks it's a big deal. Shadows and Fog was a Woody Allen movie, right? Oh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. So. Had a lot of Shadows and Fog in it. Do you remember in Young Frankenstein when the guy was missing his arm, he was playing darts and he pretended to have a perfect, you know, grouping at the – that was no, it. Oh, I remember the eagle in uh, Muppet Show. <laughs> what does that have to do the, with The that? baldy they – look, they look alike. Oh, really? Yeah, don't you see? No. Oh, I'm the eagle oh, from the Muppet Show. Yes, I guess. Do, do you remember when he goes, a riot is a disgusting and ugly thing? <laughs> and I think it's about time we had one. That's him. Oh. Do, do, do. I'm singing the Mars from the Hoist the Planets. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Mars was the god of war one. Mars was the. Yeah, he was angry. He was. was like, do, 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 do. Wait, no. Now, now you. Uh, uh, now you messed me up. I can't think of the theme. Oh yeah. I but I hear that that turned into the Darth Vader song. You know that turned into the Empire part of uh, yeah. Star Wars. He ripped everything off of Star Wars. People don't realize like 
He ripped it off of Joseph Campbell. He ripped off of Hoist. He ripped off of uh, Buck Rock. He ripped everybody off. Well, maybe like he knows that he's a film score person, and so he's trying to give you something like God of War <laughs> to me. Yeah, and I and I need it today. All right, Dud did it. It needs to sound like this. And can you do it right now? Yeah, here it is. We're going to skip this quarter note and put it in 16th. (laughs) Okay, so now we're having like sort of like the big finale musical for the 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 G-rated one. Right, the G-rated one. Oh, and Robert Downey Jr. is still in it. Yeah, and he's doing a good job. He's behaving. Do you remember him from New Heart? Uh, yeah, I think so. He was one of the patients. He was always like the wacky patient. Yeah. I I remember this guy. Uh, I remember one time on New Heart, he went to do some, some, uh, he was preparing for some test that was going to give him a certification for his work. And he was so nervous, you know, he's a psychological patient, that he had to have Bert, uh, Newhart come along. And the guy started asking questions, and he goes, no, he starts, he says, no, can you, he wants to give his answers in the form of a question like Jeopardy. It was a really funny scene. Okay, never mind. All right. That well, sounds good. Now we're having our big finale. He goes, listen, I have worked with many, many people as my career as a director, and you people are certainly some of those people. So let's shoot! <laughs> Action! Barnwell is typing away. I love this. It's going to sound great on the screen. Now, we're seeing a very bad print, right? I mean, it just yeah. doesn't look good. It might be that this film would be much better if you could see clearly and you weren't thinking of it as low budget. You mean like when the pandemic ends, you're going to go up to a revival house and go, you should really put on rented lips. <laughs> Screw it. Make it a senior uh, film festival. Now that we can convene, let us all watch the films of Robert Downey Sr. Now look at that production value, right? I mean, That's they good, spent, yeah. they took their time, and then we see it on this crappy film and we don't appreciate it. It looks about right, though. They're the solid gold dancers. Now, Martin Mullen, his wife, helped write the song. And, you know, Martin was a musician, so I'm sure it just wasn't the lyrics. Yeah, right. I'm sure this is hysterical. I mean, like, if you walked into the set during the shooting, you'd be like, this looks great. Keep it up. I can't you know, wait this, to see um, the result. This Dick Sean, right? This is something interesting. He used to guest host on Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. But on January 1st, 1971, he did the last cigarette commercial on American television for Virginia Slims. And it aired on TV one minute before the cigarette ads were banned, you know, before it went into effect. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah. 1971. Dick Sean, what a way to go. 
Yeah, well, beforehand it was like the Flintstones were smoking and yes, uh, Winston. And it wasn't really understood that it was bad. See, people people forget two things: is that Flintstones was a prime time sitcom aimed for adults. Yes. So it wasn't like they were aiming selling breakfast cereal and edible and and edibles. It wasn't a kids show. That's right. And it was in black and white because a lot of times the commercials, you know, a lot of people watch the shows in black and white, and it was just cheaper for the commercials to mm-hmm. keep doing the status quo, you know. So the reason why you had like, you know, the Flintstones was in color, but the the commercials were in black and white. Now, f- <coughs> for us personally, for Martin Mull, he was in O.C. and Stiggs. Yeah, that's right. Now that was one of the first films I ever did with you that I like loved and paid attention to <clears throat> it was national lampoon too yeah and i actually i have a photocopy i'm gonna i should mail it to you carl but of uh the episode someone uh printed it out on the internet for me uh-huh. of, of the stories of the original oc and stig stories and there was a alan moore comic you know alan moore the watchman cartoonist he did uh something for 2000 ad in the 80s it was like Q, it was aliens. It was like QC and Quint or something like that. Oh, uh huh. And it was a ripoff of OC and Stiggs. And I have it. It's funny. Stuff. <laughs> ripoff actually, or tribute? It was more of a tribute. You know, it was more of, I think they just, he ran with it, made him aliens. And those characters still exist. I just read like a recent <laughs> 2000 AD comic and they still use those characters. So are they grown up or are they like, Kids in no, school? they're just like alien teenagers, you know, mm-hmm. and they get into alien teenager antics. Now, thinking about you, I want to say that Martin Mull was in The Simpsons in one episode. He was um, in this episode called Dole in the Wind. Yes, I remember. It was Grandpa, uh, and uh, he met the hippies that slept with his mom. <laughs> And also, for both of us, he was in Get a Life, the Chris yeah. uh, uh, sitcom. Yeah. Well, he was funny in Arrested Development, too. He played a Gene Parmesan, yeah. who was the world's worst detective. <laughs> okay, so here is one thing that was embarrassing, I feel, but maybe I'm wrong. It was 1994 TV movie called How the West Was Fun with Mary-Kate and Ashley. <laughs> so I would be embarrassed about that, but uh, I don't know. It is showing children how what how the West can be fun. Yeah, that's true. yeah. So it's that it's, it's got that it's, going for it. It's usually for the West is very intimidating to kids that age. So you know he was just helping them out. Mm-hmm. His mom's now, in this movie. For, yeah, for some reason, all the cast members in real life start showing up in this. Including Jack Riley, um, including June Lockhart, and I guess it's just wrapping. There's um, Junior in the center, and look, Martin Mull is now on his own film for some reason. Great, look, in a Such big a huge audience, a big. See, you did it, Martin. 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 Yeah, look at that. It's so weird. Look, and the audience loves it. 
I love the director walked into the scene. Oh, uh, no. It was all a dream. Nah, just kidding. This is the best way to wrap up any movie. Is to have the have the movie itself win awards and everyone's like, Yeah, we made a great movie. It's eating itself. Yeah. So what'd you think? What'd you think? Well, I'm two seconds. I can't understand like why uh, the concept of our show has been going on fine for four years, and then this one movie, I, I it's slow on my thing. I think it's a piece of shit. I mean, I liked it. I enjoyed it. It was. Yeah. Let's put it this way: it's a good Robert Downey Sr. movie. It has a beginning, middle, and end. Uh, it's a little. <laughs> Martin wrote it. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, it wasn't like Greaser's Paradise. Greaser's Priestess Palace, he was trying to, I don't know what he was trying to do, but he did it and uh, just didn't have, oh, Spuds McKenzie, look at that. Charlie's sister's dog is Spuds McKenzie. Really? Yeah. I think I would have picked that up in my research. Well, I mean, this film's kind of hard to watch, so I can't now, blame Tyrell you. Tyrell and the Reverend, Kenneth Mars, they're cleaning up. <laughs> yeah. And he gives him a little broom. They're cleaning up. I got, I got you. See, I had to wait a couple of seconds. I don't know it's why they're recording. Their failure, you know, as yeah, they, they were the bad guys, and now they're getting theirs. See, like that's what a good movie does. They give you a storyline. So right. I, I think this is a decent one. Like I think the title is re repulsive, <laughs> uh, and but you know it matches all the wacky Hitler uh, pornography Halloween jokes. You know, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> It isn't bad. Uh, yeah, it's a decent one. It's uh, one of these days I'm going to find Pound on YouTube and we'll watch that. But yeah, then, I, I think 